it's down to you. You know, that initial will that the universe had is echoed in you because you are the product of that will. And that is the sexual force. It's the thing that makes you want to intercourse. You might want to intercourse a burger. You, you might want to intercourse a book. Do you know what I mean? Uh, no. Might, probably, probably. <laughs> hey, look, it's been on lockdown for a while. Now. <laughs> Hello, welcome in, bienvenue, konnichiwa, it's Amish Inquisition time yet again on Sunday the 19th of April, episode 128, I'm Amish Phil, I'm Amish Ben, and I'm Amish Matt, praise Jabalon, we made it after some technical hitches. Um, and tonight we've got a special guest. We've got Ryan Seven here from the Secret Science YouTube channel. How are you pretty doing, Ryan? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Good. All lockdown. Good, <laughs> man. You're managing then? Just about. Like I said, I've been uh, writing a book, so my head's been in a different world entirely. Yeah. So it's not been too bad. Plus, the sun's been out. Yeah. Have you got some outdoor space you can make use of? I've been sitting on the roof. <laughs> 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 Well, it's good to have you here. Thanks for coming. Cheers, buddy. Good to be here. Um, now, most people probably listening, they get up in the morning, they go to work, they do eight or ten hours, they come home, they feed the kids, put them to bed, and by the time they've got up, got down at half eight, they're knackered and they slap goggle box on and zone out in front of the telly. So, for people in that situation, how would you describe what your main subject of study is, the secret science. How would you break it down for people who have no idea? No idea. Uh, let's use Gogglebox as a, an avatar to get this across. Uh, you know, you're watching TV and you enter a mind state called alpha. And as soon as you hit alpha waves, it means that you're receiving information. And in that brain state, you're quite malleable quite easy to manipulate that's when they put the adverts on and things like that so what i study is how people use other people and how they get into the minds to manipulate them and uh what how they've been hiding these secrets and where these secrets are hidden and what this secret science is and it's a lot more than that there's mathematics there's psychology in there there's so much so yeah. what do i study i study Magic, just not stage magic. It's magic of the mind. It's those same tricks as stage magic, but on a grander scale. Right. And this is something that's been, that you can trace the roots back to through the Enlightenment, oh. through oh, yeah. Christianity, to ancient Absolutely. Egypt and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so it was, it's pretty obvious when you look into it that this kind of knowledge was the thing that sparked off the renaissance that sparked off the enlightenment 
it was the, the Renaissance, uh, the guys, you know, at, at the top of the uh, education system then, they, they used to, uh, you know, tell everybody there's greater learning in the past. They knew more in the past. You know, just take a look at Egypt. It's pretty obvious that they knew something that <laughs> we've forgotten as we've gone along the years. Not forgotten, just hidden, as it turns out. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's so old. It's the, at the beginning. It's the uh, Babylon and Sumeria. It's the seemingly Gebekli Tepe, because those symbols are very similar to what I've been studying in Babylon and Sumeria and Egypt, what the Masons still have hold of. Uh, can't help but bring those guys into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, they are the. Some people think they keep them a secret, the secrets, the Masons, but they're more like the Guardians, really. And I'm still not sure why it is a secret, but there are definitely secrets, and well, they are. This is this is a question I was going to ask you because, like you said, as as far mm-hmm. back as as we can look, there's this knowledge that's had certain gatekeepers around it whether it be the priests of Egypt yeah. or um, mm-hmm. uh, what else? Uh, the initiation, like the Greek Ill- Illicinian mysteries and the Greek mystery schools, there was initiation yeah. process. Yeah. So it's like there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of gate- gatekeeping involved. Do you not feel that Definitely. by broadcasting this information, you might be... Um, unleashing mm. things that could be used for maleficent ends so <laughs> yes yes i mean there was there were several reasons why um you know disney characters would get hold of this information <laughs> um uh and you know well disney himself was uh, a purveyor of this information i was just trying to find last night if you watch dumbo the scene where dumbo gets drunk uh, Walt Disney had animated the alchemical wedding. You know, you see uh, an elephant oh, doing a bit of a, a dance there, and that's Isis, and then her veil comes off, and then you see a pyramid with an eye in the triangle, and then you see a masculine and a feminine, and lightning, and then it gets even more psychedelic, and he's conveying this, uh, this thing that's always hidden. And as I said, I'm not sure why it's always hidden. I know one of the reasons is because everybody loves a mystery and for the initiate if you're not told everything it's that i want to know you know you watch that agatha christie film to the end because you just want to know that you who you thought did it did it Mm. and it's often um very hard to confirm these things but because of the internet and because so many people are at this now you can connect the dots a lot easier than you would have been able to do in the past and yeah there's gatekeeping involved but the symbols themselves are self-extracting, They're like zip files. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you you apply what the symbols are saying to you to the symbol, and then it just it's like a it cascades from there. Like one thought leads you to another thought. It might be a might be a certain character in a certain situation, and the character comes from one story, and the situation is from an entirely different story. And you're like, what's wrong here? And it's that juxtaposition of two things that are wrong that make a right somewhere in the middle and then you can you can get this information from it a lot of it's maths so it proves itself it's it's not a case of airy fairy stuff that you have to say you know it's always the spiritual meaning of the universe it's not it's (laughs) it's this 
strange number system that they derive a philosophy from. There's drugs in there as well. There's all kinds of stuff. I often say it's sex, drugs and rock and roll because it is. That's what it is. Right, because, yeah, you've got music and harmony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, drugs. Of, yeah, drugs. There's lots of mushrooms and all this stuff. Um, and it's funny, but it is. And there's sex. So it's that tantric style sex. This is essentially the, the secret of alchemy. Tantric style sex is a way of charging yourself up with something they call the sexual force. You might, guys would know it as, as the force from Star Wars. It's the same thing, same concept. <laughs> and uh, you charge yourself up with it by frustrating yourself and not reaching the pinnacle of where you might want to go to. Right. You, do that for about, <laughs> yeah, you do that for about 100 days and hermetically Jesus. seal yourself off. Yeah, and then something happens, and it's essentially an endogenous DMT-style experience. You explode. You explode internally, yeah. yeah. This kind of ties into what something one of our previous guests talked about with orgonomy, doesn't it? Yeah, orgonomy. Oh, like um, orgon <clears throat> energy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah, it's a similar concept. Like yeah. a sexual life force almost, isn't it? Yeah, that, mm. yeah, that's what it is, yeah. They, the ancients, saw that sexual power that's in you uh, is in everything, and it's kind of the will of God, in inverted commas, coming through. Down to you, you know, that initial will that the universe had is echoed in you because you are the product of that will, and that is the sexual force. It's the thing that makes you want to intercourse. You might want to intercourse a burger. You, you might want to intercourse a book. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Hey, look, it's been on lockdown for a while, mate. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's that will to uh, penetrate something is what it is. And so they saw this as a force that exists in the universe. And as with concepts like demons, you know, oh, I've been possessed by demons. Now I've just got Corona too, or whichever one it was back then. Um, you know, it's not a demon, but that concept is as good as it serves a purpose. You have been infected by a demon. You have been possessed by a demon to much of an extent. And the same for this. It's, uh, okay, There's not an, there might not be an actual force that runs through the universe that binds everything. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can have that concept and it works. doesn't matter if it's not quite true. It's true enough. It's true enough to work. And then they manipulate you with this. The magicians this is the magician's power right. because you might want that woman you go and get that woman i've been paying that woman to get you i take took photos because you're married now i can manipulate you wow. so this is it there was um a famous filmmaker called alejandro jodorowsky he's a bit of a shaman type he was obsessed with the tarot and he made lots of surreal films in like the 70s and 60s uh there's one particular one called uh, the Holy Mountain that's that's about all this stuff. But, you know, there's a, a Denis Villeneuve film coming out called Dune, you know, from the Frank Herbert books. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So before, um, what was the chap that made the other one? Crazy guy. David one. Lynch. David Lynch, very good. So um, David Lynch made the last version of it, but before he got to make it, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, <laughs> for saying his name, uh, Alejandro um, made was going to make Dune, and it, they say it's the greatest film never made. 
And to get this thing done, he, the things he went to, and he was on this kind of psychedelic journey to get people in on this film. And you would, the names he had, Orson Welles, uh, Pink Floyd were doing the soundtrack. Mick Jagger was one of the main cast. It was just literally star-studded. He had uh, Salvador Dali as the emperor of the universe. <laughs> so, go out, exactly. Yes. So just to go out and make this happen, this guy was like, I need spiritual warriors to help me on this spiritual thing that I'm doing. So he used magic, knowing what it was, he used magic to go and get out the, these people that he needed to fill these roles, one of them being Orson Welles. And um, Orson was notoriously difficult to work with. You know, he was fat at the time. He only cared about eating and drinking. And he was like, Orson, can you do this film for me? He's like, no, no, don't, no, not having none of it. And then he went away and thought about it. And he phoned his agent. He said, what's his favorite restaurant? And he said, oh, it's this one in Paris. He said, right, what's his favorite wine? He told him his favorite wine. And so Alejandro's rang up Orson and said, look, every day you're on that set, I'll, I'll have your favorite um, chef from that restaurant flown over. They'll cook you a meal every day, and I'll have a bottle of your favorite wine with every meal, and I'll pay you. He's like, yep, no problem, my favorite thing, fantastic. And he just he gave him what he wanted. He found out what he wanted, and he fulfilled that in order for him to do something he wanted him to do. Now, he didn't manipulate him very much, though. He was quite open about it, but you can imagine what these kind of ideas are of using that sexual force, what Orson Welles wanted to get what you want. Mm. And then you start getting into people like Jeffrey Epstein and black male rings and paedophilia and things like that. It gets very, very dark very quickly. Very so sorry, dark, very quickly. just going back to what you were saying then about Orson Welles, um, mm -hmm. why would you say that uh, that was magic, what it was doing there? Because he knew what he was doing. So if the basis of magic is manipulating and transforming that's really what it is right okay and essentially it was when it was first invented it was it was called the royal arts and it was there to control city states and you can imagine the first magicians were really shamans of the tribe mm -hmm. and you know they were the guys that knew the calendar and what time it was and when to plant and when to you know harvest the crop because they were smart enough to know what was going on in the heavens and that's why a lot of this stuff is up there. The, the, you know, a lot of those characters are giving these magical ideas, just right. just a little hidden. Mm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've got, totally forgot where I was. <laughs> <laughs> I put you out of your stride. We yeah. just, we, so, I think you just, you, you just convinced uh, Orson Welles to be in the film, Annie. Yeah, and you asked me why was that magic? Yeah. yeah. So basically, because Alejandro Jodorowsky knew what he was doing, being uh, an initiate into the arts. He knew that if he could work out what Orson Welles was most attracted to, like with this sexual force idea, that he can then give it to him and manipulate him with it. Like, I'll give you what you want. Do you know what I mean? If, if Jeffrey, what Jeffrey Epstein was doing was, you want something really dark, don't you? I can, I can supply you with that. Oh, by the way, no, I know you've done that. You're in my back pocket. That's, yeah. that's how it all works. That's how it works. So, you know, it's a very simple thing and it seems obvious, but until you systematize it and that system is the seven planets, you, it's difficult to get a grasp of and, and, you know, comprehend and actually manipulate. But as soon as you realize what they were on about when they're doing the seven planets, 
Like, oh, okay, you sneaky bastards. That's what it is. I've always seen myself as a deer cultist. I'm not. And the first question was, are you not worried that, you know, you're telling some secrets here that you shouldn't be telling? And I am, yeah. I am worried about that. But, um, you know, hopefully they'll just, they'll just pretend I'm crazy and <laughs> I'll get relegated to the sidelines. The thing is, the information's there for people to find. It is, um, in plain sight. Yeah. yeah, what's it Jesus said? Those with ears to hear and eyes to see. Mm-hmm. Eyes to see, yeah. Not assuming he wasn't a mushroom. <laughs> indeed he was indeed he was (laughs) well I just read I just finished last week um, Marco Allegro's Sacred Mushroom and the Cross oh great which goes into all that and uh, yeah it's interesting yeah it's all etymology and yeah philology tracing it all back to Sumerian roots and that yeah I don't know I'm still you know he didn't sway me I found it interesting I, I could easily sway you if I showed you the art side of things which is much easier to penetrate than the text yeah i have so many ancient pictures and medieval pictures of jesus and the tree of life as amanita muscaria fly agaric mushrooms there's so many of them it's funny and half of them aren't even very hidden you know they'll just be in the background or there's one there's one hilarious one there's adam and eve and they're just stood in front of the biggest mushroom you've ever seen eating mushrooms so that's that one's on the back cover of the book, I think. <laughs> is it? It's in France, I think, if, it, if we're talking about the same one. Is it? Yeah. 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 Is it not just a yeah, bad artist and it's supposed to be a tree? <laughs> well, you know, this is what the intellectuals say because they're all in denial about it. The second you mention something that might interrupt their career somehow, they're, you know, they get frightened. But it's, yeah, it's so obvious true. looking into these ancient mysteries, that, including the Lucis, I mean, the Eleusinian mysteries, the the it's so obvious that it's a mushroom or some kind of drug. I mean, they've even found um, uh, a relief carving on stone of, of two Eleusinian priestesses exchanging mushrooms. Yeah. I'm, um, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty certain that, that you know, uh, psychedelics and things like that were more widely used, especially in sort of like shaman stuff and things like that, like ayahuasca and all the rest of it. And yeah, yeah. people just like... <laughs> to be honest, it's like people aren't very fond of drugs, really. Not human beings, you know, drinking and smoking. I know, yeah, that's it. the thing. We love it. We do love mm. it. Anything that can alter sort of your perception of things. Exactly. It's, it's important to do. It's important to do because then you realise that, you know, your ego is making boundaries on things. Your ego is literally the thing that makes walls on things. So to dissolve those walls is important because it's you that's putting those walls there, not nothing else. Nature doesn't put those walls there. It's you. So you say, and I am this, he is that. And it stops you doing things. You know what I mean? Like he's a big muscular man, I'm a little weedy guy. Well, that's gonna stop you getting big and muscular because you've identified with, you know, a negative thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, drugs drugs can be good, drugs can be bad. And for the ancients, drugs were religious because Religion means to go back, you know, to, to rejoin. So what do drugs do? They help you to, you know, dissolve yourself and kind of rejoin the universe. Especially the ones that's talking about. <laughs> this is a concept of sort of universal consciousness then, is it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, a lot of the Gnostic guys and uh, these ancient mystery schools were maybe suggesting that um, and Pythagoras as well. That when you die, you essentially reincarnate. You go back to the source, and then if you haven't, if you haven't transcended beyond the seven spheres, you get sent back down to, a, to for another go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I don't recall uh, the guy's name, but there was uh, a pretty famous, I think he was an anthropologist, but he was going out there to, um, you know, dismiss all this reincarnation stuff, especially like toward the East. I think it was like Turkey and India and places like that he was going to. And he went there to, you know, it's a lot of rubbish this, but it'd be really interesting anthropologically. And then, you know, he's heard so many stories, especially the ones, it's the ones from children that are the most poignant you know, how do these kids know so much? And they'll have scars and stuff like that. So I'm open about it. I don't know. I've, um, I myself have tried the mushrooms and things like that to high doses. So I have been in those places they're talking about and can say it does feel like universal consciousness. Yes. But who knows? Who knows until you, you uh, make that final adventure. <laughs> um, how did you, how did you get into this? Because it, it almost turns into like an obsession, I've found. It does, yeah, quite quickly. What's like um, the catalyst? Okay, so I was wondering how to put this because it's, it's, it's an unusual one, but you, you guys seem open-minded, so I'll, I'll just tell you as it is and I'll be honest about it. So um, I'd started off as uh, just a very interested person in everything and I, uh, I couldn't understand why a lot of the people I met as a kid were not very interested in the universe. I'd be like, do you not think it's bizarre that we're even here in the first place? Like, what's matter? What is, why? How can you have something from nothing? And other ridiculous questions that you'll never answer. But, um, you know, I looked into physics and I got a good understanding of what physics are of the universe, I looked into philosophy, and I, it was just uh, a passion for being alive, really. And then over time, I just had an intuition that somehow the universe was made from sound. And at about 29, 49, at 29, I um, remember watching a video, I think it was a Terence McKenna one, and he was talking about how the shamans in the Amazon, when they have ayahuasca and they're singing the Icaros, which they get off the mother goddess when they go on a trip and she sings them a song and they come back with this song. And he's saying how that controls the atmosphere for the people. And you can see how it does kind of, in inverted commas, control the spirits. You know, the spirit of a forest would be, you know, the, the sum total of what's going on in that forest. Do you know what I mean? Like what the birds and the bees and the squirrels and everything else is doing as a whole. That's the spirit of the forest. So you might have one with wolves in. That's a dark forest. You might have one with, you know, little mice in there. It's a lovely forest and nice mushrooms, even nicer. But... um. Yeah, so basically, I forgot what I'm talking about. You were talking about you, you had a, a bit of an epiphany about the universe <laughs> being epiphany, linked to sound. Yeah, yeah, being linked to sound. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it turns out it's a very, very good quality, this thing, this, uh, this smoke in the air, this incense. So, um, yeah, I just felt like... Um, universe was made of sound it was just like a hunch from all the information i'd been given and 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 learned and, and you know from university and and everywhere else and when i heard that these shamans were seeing the sound that they were singing i was like oh that's that's really insightful and because i'd exhausted all other you know avenues of information i just went well why not try it why not go to the edge so i do you know I about synesthesia yeah yeah and it's that mixing of the senses. And, Hang on, and, I, I don't. You f fill me in. <laughs> so, so, so that's like... Go for it. Yeah, 
<laughs> so essentially you are uh, you visualize sound so there's something wrong with your auditory co cortex mm -hmm. so you see sound rather than than hearing it right uh, and it's apparently a really trippy mix of colors and there's there's distinct mm -hmm. differences mm -hmm. in different styles of music and sound is this something um, that's this acquired? Is anecdotal. Like, is it acquired or are you well, born with it? That's that was that's what I was going to ask. It's what uh, it's seen as a condition, but is mm -hmm. it something that can be triggered through this kind of yes. psychedelic exploration? Absolutely. It depends what, yeah, it depends what you're taking. I would say something like the fairy tale Mario mushroom, the Amanita muscaria. That would give you more like dissociative things like you're talking about. That's why Alice. It not just make you massive. Yeah, that's what it. Well, it does. Yeah, it does. It, it totally messes with your perception of scale. So that's why you get little people and elves and you know Smurfs and things like that. And you know Mario goes bigger and smaller and Alice in Wonderland that's all bigger and smaller. It's just yeah, it's very dissociative. Amanita. That's one I've not personally played with very much. I've had it at smaller doses. It's quite legal. You know, to most people, that's the poisonous toad still. So, you know, go out, pick them, dry them, prepare them properly. And yeah. they're very jolly and natural feeling at lower doses and quite good for you, apparently. Right. The higher doses, nice. it's a drunken mess of psychedelic, crazy dreams. And, you know, I am Jesus. And nobody going near him. He just picked up a knife and he's slashing the air. Yeah. But, yeah, microdosing uh, psilocybin is, is becoming popular in the States, isn't it? Particularly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the uh, intellectual classes. They they like a, a little extra whatever it'll be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've all been doing mushrooms. And I think it, they've started legalizing it, haven't they? As well, mushrooms in some states. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I heard noises about it. I don't, I don't know if anything's happened. Yeah, like one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Just going well, back so to good. sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, going back to you saying about the um, universe being sound or. A, Sound, yeah. a frequency maybe would be mm -hmm. um, another way of looking at it. Um, yeah, so, have you heard of cymatics? Yeah. So a lot of what I'm studying is actually the root of all all that stuff. So we'll get. I think we should get to that later and, and maybe, yeah, yeah, you know, let this let the conversation go. But you have to keep reminding me what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, the. Yeah, the, so the shaman scene sound, you could call it synesthesia, but whatever it is, it, 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 they're doing it. Do you know what I mean? That's still a, a, an input. It might be going to the wrong place, but it's still that input being translated. So it's valid. So I didn't get that, and I've never had it, and I've never gone for that. Um, I would have liked to have ayahuasca, but the, all the vomiting thing just seemed too much to do. Mm. Something that I was going to have to do on my own because... I don't know any of the psychonauts. I didn't know anybody else. I'd heard kids running away going, yeah, I had loads of uh, loads of magic mushrooms when I was, you know, 14 or something. We picked loads and I had over 100. I kept here, like, I have over 100. It's like, if you had over 100 magic mushrooms from where we live, you would be still there. You would still be still <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I went up to uh, Rivington. And I dieted and done everything else that you're supposed to do because the cleaner you are, it's not the amount you have, but it's like the cleaner you are and the less you've eaten, the less crap in your system, the more it's going to work. And I had a shitload of mushrooms. Like, lied on the floor and then started to get an overwhelming sense of anxiety, just these waves. 
and so I've rolled a couple of doobies and I'm just rolling the cigarette because I don't feel like having a doobie right now because I'm getting a bit anxious and paranoid. My palms are sweating and I can feel this thing coming on. And I remember looking up and around the room, I could see that everything was divided in three dimensions into purple cubes. I was like, oh, that must be the Matrix. And it was, I was quite happy and I, nothing was... I'm realising what I've had. At no point are you under any illusion that you've not had a shitload of mushrooms, you know? You might forget who you are, but when you're back enough to know who you are, it's not always like, oh, yeah, I've had, I've had all these crazy things I've learned in that field. So, um, yeah, so the first thing that happened, and it's not just something that happened to me. This happens to most people that have detailed I had a woman's voice talk to me, and she said, sit down. And I was like, okay, I'll sit down. I listened to loud woman's voice in my head. So I sat down. And then I'm still rolling a cigarette, and my hands looked like they were Emperor Palpatine's hands from Star Wars, all veiny. And, and I'm like, oh, well, here we go. And then this voice again said to me, close your eyes and lie down, because if this happens on the outside, it'll be much more difficult than it will be on the inside. So I closed my eyes. <laughs> okay, lady's voice in my head. I closed my eyes, and the next thing I know, it was as a tidal wave just came over me. And I, and I remember thinking, if I wanted to cower, like internally, and I remember thinking, if, if, if I do that, it'll smash me. I need to turn around and just ride this wave that's coming at me. It doesn't matter if it's scary, I've got to do it. And it was like a million thoughts at once, a million thoughts at once, just too much to deal with. You just have to relax and let this thing happen to you. And then you end up in this space. And in this space, it's like your imagination is realized and you have what in alchemy is called the alchemical wedding, which is the joining of the masculine and feminine, the sun and the moon. The conscious mind is still there, but you are so deep in the unconscious mind that there might as well be one thing. So you kind of control over your base functions and your base, what's down there. And so if you kind of, because obviously you are on a, a weird drug still, it's you can manipulate things in there. And if you, if a being comes up to you like on the, in the dmt space you can talk back to it you know done well you lied on the floor you know you, you're under no illusions that you but you just let it happen you just let it happen and you go you go through it and so i got halfway through it and it was a shamanic ordeal it was very difficult to go through this this waviness of it and these these tidal waves coming in were just so difficult to deal with you just it was it was it's funny, you have to put all your energy into relaxing and like sacrificing yourself to this experience. And anyway, I got into a place and first thing it showed me was tarot cards. And I was like, well, those silly cards on my girlfriend's table. And he's like, yep, I'm like, all right, <laughs> missed it. And then probably 20 minutes later, I'm in this place. And I can only describe it as being a, a frequency of love bringing us back to what we we're talking about before it was just like a vibration it was being a little baby in your mum's arms it was uh yeah just that but it was just love and nothing else and i've been there forever i mean forever i'd lost all sense of myself all sense of time all sense of location i was just gone and i kind of slightly came to consciousness and i was like oh wow i've been here forever and i stayed there oh it's lovely here and i was like it's a bit boring though, isn't it? There's nothing to do. I'm just like, I'm just chilling out in this gorgeous vibration. And it was a vibration. When you say love's a vibration, it was just like that. And uh, I was like, I want to do something. But there was only me there. 
I was essentially like, when I came back, I was like, fuck it, it was like I was God, because it was, it was only me there. And I remember reaching down into myself and pulling a part of myself off. And, and when I've told this to people before, so it's like when you clip a toenail or a fingernail off and you discard it and you're like, well, that was me, but it's not me anymore. But it is me, but it's over there and it's not me. And there's this weird duality that's made. And this is what happened. I was like kind of pulled, I wasn't anything, I didn't have a body, but I pulled part of myself off, put it over there. And suddenly I had a me and a you, a subject and an object, and a yin and a yang, and, and a, I had a distance and a coordinate and a, a time. And, uh, you know, just all these things suddenly happened from this base yin-yang principle that I'd just done. That was it. And then next thing you know, chum, 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 I'm just coming back. You know, I'm, it's like having this weird enlightenment experience. And it, there's, there's going to be a few it's for the next few minutes in this discussion. It flashed at me. Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, you know, these earthly Zoroaster, just these earthly guys I didn't care about. I'm not religious at all. You know, these images of these earth god men. Now, whether that was me thinking at the time, and it's just so amplified that that's what the images were, but that it just flashed up and then I'm back and I'm stood up and I'm like, whoa, just that the religious experience. What the fuck was that? And then I turn around and in the middle of the room, and I'm I'm so glad to be back. Do you know what I mean? It was a difficult place to be. And in the middle of the room was this like a wireframe 3D model. And it was turning slowly and it looked like like Mayan pyramids kind of thing, but a bit more, a bit more Egyptian, but wireframe, very psychedelic, but, but constant and static, even though it was rotating. I remember going, oh shit, man, I'm fucking too much of this. And I looked away and when I looked back, it had rotated just as much as it should have rotated, like everything was as it should be. And then, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And then this voice, this male voice said to me, that's the, Sol Tem that's the Temple of Solomon. You've got to build it. I'm like, all right, Ryan, that's enough now. Come on. And I rang my friend up and I'm like, mate, you got to talk to me. I've just had the most amazing experience. And I've brushed the, from, from the, the point where I'm getting Jesus put him out, I've brushed everything else off. A few months later, I found this pattern in these alchemical drawings that is, I think, is the cruelest thing I've found. And when I put it over, quite by accident, Isaac Newton's drawing of Solomon's temple. It was obviously the template that he'd used to draw it, as it is Fuck the you. template to draw the things like the pyramids and Stonehenge and, you know, it, and it was just mad that that was the main thing I brushed off. I didn't brush off the tarot. I went and looked for that and then I realised that was about mushrooms and geometry and music and all these other hidden things and that template, that same template's in the tarot. Um, but yeah, and then as a explored this further it did end up and i'm sure we'll get to this later that it is sound it's those frequencies you know the 432 hertz and all, all this kind of stuff and it's all in the stars it's all in the, the rotation of, of the the orb of the, the celestial orb around the earth there's just some some synchronicity that's gone on either it's chance or it is how the universe works i believe the second but you know i can't prove that scientifically 432 is an interesting number isn't go. it yeah, it is very interesting. It's just, way, uh, it's just so harmonic. You can divide it by so many other numbers, and you know it. it it's the I love this actually. So six six six. Everyone always thinks he's like you know what six six six. All the mark of the beast and everything else. 
you just got to realize whenever you see a number in in um in the bible just just take a look at it and play about with it and usually it's multiple multiplication so if you take six times six times six you get two one six and this is one of these numbers that keeps oh, no. and over and over and over again do you know what two times two one six is it's four three two it's just this set of numbers that is super duper harmonic and that's the pythagorean music and musical scale and it's based it is at school on the pythagorean triangle that a squared plus b squared not equals c squared which is true for this triangle that's actually the golden ratio of this stuff. you know so four three two yeah um that used to be what middle a used to be tuned to at concert pitch yeah. And then mm-hmm. about no, not concert pitch, no concert pitch is four forty. So yeah. four three two is the Pythagorean pitch, as you said. Yeah, I think it was about a hundred years ago. It got harm. Well, the harmonize is a poor choice of word. It got um, metricized. It got yeah changed. Yeah, yeah. It got it got well, the, reformed to be four forty. Yeah, there are valid reasons for that though. And as I, I remember, I don't know if it was a conspiracy or not, but it was Himmler or somebody like that that had it changed. <laughs> Yeah, is that right? I heard um, that. Yeah, so there is, a, there is a reason, and it's this thing called the Pythagorean comma. And I, although Pythagorean musical music's beautiful and, and with the harmony of the universe and all those things, it's not as harmonic as you think it is, because you get towards the end of the scale, at the end of the, co- um, end of the octave, and as you want to go to the next octave up, there's something called the Pythagorean comma which is like a little frequency gap. That means that if you press C of one octave and C of the next octave up, it's actually slightly out. So the 440 tuning was, was a, an evening, like I said, a metrization of it all. So actually, they're all a little bit out, but a lot less out than that big comma, if you get me, that right. big gap. So there is a reason for it. I, I can understand why. Even though it's not as you know universal, it certainly won't be as healing, if you like, crystals and all that stuff that isn't real. Isn't isn't four three two related to the moon somehow? Uh, so t- it's ten eighty, which is a uh, again it, it's uh, a divisor of that, uh, and two one six. They're all these same numbers. So actually, like check this out. So the ratio, uh, the radius of the moon is ten eighty miles. Excuse me. And the diameter is twenty one sixty. So ten eighty p is stand- standard HD. 2160 is, you know, and then all these numbers are literally what your screen are. So there's a, you know, there's a bit of a conspiracy here that the guys that are making your TV are actually using this, this Pythagorean stuff <laughs> with, with the with the size of the moon and all this stuff and trying to trying to warp your mind. Everyone's a magician. Ah, TV programs. There you go. I'll take that. Thank you. Well, um, doesn't T160 relate to the processional cycle as well, the procession of the equinoxes? It does, yeah. It's a processional month. It's a those month in the processional seven. year. Yeah, so those, this is so interesting. Um, so, so in a lot of these religions, including the Bible, actually, so you know, this, you know the, the, the word was God and the word was good and all that stuff. So you look at the word God in England, King, King James changed it to Lord. But in the Hebrew Bible, and that works out, it's always gematria, so you're exchanging the letters for numbers. So Lord, well, I forgot what the number is, but Lord works out as something, you times it by so many, ends up 216, again, 216. For uh, 
Yahuwah, Yehovah, which is the Hebrew name for God, that you couldn't say, if you remember. Do you remember Monty Python when the guy gets stoned and say, Jehovah, Jehovah? <laughs> remember? Yeah. Yeah, well, that was the case because Hebrew was only spoken in the temple. It wasn't spoken by the people. It was speaking Aramaic or whatever. So, yeah, these priestly guys, when they said uh, Yehovah, they were actually saying this coded word. Yod is worth 10, A is worth 6, Vav is worth, uh, sorry, 10, 5, 6, 5, it basically is. Um, and is this going back to the tetragrammaton? Yeah, um, it is the tetragrammaton. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And when you add those numbers together, you get 26. If you put them in a triangle, you get um, one another one of these procession numbers. I think it's 72. Yeah, it is 72. Um, it's the nine times table. Anything that falls on the nine times table, you know, so it's 2190. Seems to be one of these highly harmonic numbers. So, yeah, the tetragrammaton adds up to 26. And when you see wherever they put it, <laughs> at the top, they're talking about the 26,000 year cycle of procession. Now, what procession is, is that, remember we said 72 if you put Jehovah in a triangle. One degree of that 360 degree processional cycle is 72 years. So every month it takes 216,000 years, sorry, 2,160 years, etc. And so every month is one of these numbers, you know, these special numbers. Every season is one of these numbers. Every half year is one of these numbers. And the year and every everywhere you work it, that we work a calendar metric here on the earth, it's like a day or a year or a month or whatever you're going to say is one of these amazing numbers. And this is the big secret they're all keeping mm. that there are these amazing numbers. And who knows what, if you, if we could get it into the heads of, you know, regular scientists, especially like mathematicians and people do engineering and electronics and things like that. Can you imagine having a set of numbers that just interrelate with every other number so easily it's like a lubricant <laughs> they are the lubricants of numbers mm. i don't know what that means but yeah <laughs> uh, well 72 years happens to be about roughly a human lifetime which i always found interesting the one degree oh. of the processional cycle something very interesting i found out recently was that actually these same numbers are the average heartbeats a day the average breaths per day, oh, the average no. blinks per day. And I was just, I just could, you know, when you start to find these things, like you, you just can't take it anymore because it's like you sound ridiculous to yourself. But it was, you know, you can, because it's maths, because it's science, you can go and check it out. You can go and look it up. Yeah. And so it's provable. So, you know, what might steam rantings and ravings, I can go, okay, yeah, fair enough. I can see I might sound crazy, but I can show you that Jesus was a mushroom. I certainly said some people, do you know what I mean? And take the mushroom and tell me you ain't seen Jesus. <laughs> do you think then it's, it's kind of um, evidence of a creator then? They thought Someone created that. it all. So Architect. it's funny. Yeah, mm. they, they always draw it as the goddess. That's what it is. So, okay, this is a bold claim, but I mean, it's not a far stretch. When If you guys seem to know, you know, you, you, You've got a feeling for it. This is the Grail knowledge. This is the same stuff that was in the Grail laws. You know, this is the same stuff that yeah. is in Kabbalah. It's in astrology. It's in tarot. It's in 
alchemy. You know, this is this is masonry. It's this is this is what it is. Astrology. It is. Yeah, yeah. And these are all keys to get up there. It takes a while. It's uh, you know, uh, I've got a friend that I'm kind of initiating into it all. And yesterday, for the first time. I saw him pacing back and forwards with his eyes going up and left with a, with a strained look on his face, looking happy, but strained. I'm like, mate, welcome to the club. Welcome to Club of Two. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty mind-bending, though, once you start getting into it. Yeah, and it's, it's the joy of finding out and the joy of having to use your left and your right brain to get it. Because it's very poetic, all this stuff. And it's very, you know, you've got to take in all the information let it gestate, you know, let it kind of talk. You know, like when you go, to, you, you do loads of swatting the night before and you wake up the day after and you suddenly you can do it. You couldn't the night before, but you can do it now. I can remember it. It's that. It's using that. There was a, a Terence McQuenna, uh, McKenna quote. No, was it? Ter- no, John Anthony West quote. And he's, yeah. he was saying something like, our, our modern education system, it teaches us to analyse and not to synthesise. Yes. Yeah. Well, it always, it, 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 you know, when you go to school, you don't learn how to grow things. You don't learn how to, you know, just for boys especially. You know, boys aren't doing so well at school right now. It's because our modality of learning isn't the same as girls' modality. So we're the naughty boys, but we should be out hunting and fishing and running about and finding out with our hands and learning in a you know, slightly different way. You know, tomboys join in. By all means, do what you want to. But, you know, you've got to recognise there are differences in people. We do have different modalities of learning and, you know. Yeah. What, um, after you, you had your trip, yeah. um, <laughs> what what are, like, your main sources of information? Is it books or mainly online, YouTube videos? Where are you pulling synthesising it from? More drugs? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was... <laughs> You know, if you start there, carry on. No, uh, it was, oh, God, I didn't take any for a long time. After that. It took a year to do some My God. No way. You don't, that's the thing. They're not very addictive, are they? Do you know what I mean? You have something like, oh, shit, I'm not going near those again. Um, it was, well, obviously, I picked up the tarot after that. And the fortunate thing is that because I do artistic things as a profession, that I have access to that quite easily. And so because these things are in symbols, you know, I had a bit of a leg up as it was. So, because I've got to think how to communicate ideas to people through symbols as for my job. So that's exactly what is in tarot. And first thing, I, you know, you do these things in layers and it's like, remember when you load up an image on the internet, on a modem, and you get block pixels first and you get a bit more resolution and a bit more and then you can see a boobs and then you can <laughs> <laughs> and you know uh, and then you know finally you, get that, <laughs> <laughs> you get that clear image at the end and so it's just it was the same with this i i looked at them first and having studied psychology and things like that i was realizing these were archetypes you're getting the archetype of the son the mother the father you know, these really base principles and they're expressed through the moon and the sun and things like this. And I'm going, right, okay, this is psychology. I can understand this. And I'm discarding anything fortune or anything like that. And I'm just looking at them as flashcards. And then slowly but surely, you kind of get beyond all the bullshit. People saying, oh, they're just fortune cards or they're just playing cards or whatever they are. People that said, it's not really stuff or you know it's all false and just keep looking at them and let them speak to you and eventually you're like oh my god this is literally 
the key to what religions really are, you know, beyond all the bullshit. They are, as you were saying a moment ago, they are a, kind of a, a formula to explain how God works, God, whatever that is, this weird law of physics that has the thumbprint of a creator on it. And it does. I, I was, I've always been quite agnostic. But if there is kind of an evidence for all that kind of malarkey, this is what the state of me has. It's the G in the Masonic square and compass for geometry and God and, and seven and all these other things. Jesus, the seventh letter. They, they always trans, transpose letters into numbers. And as soon as you get that, especially for people's names, you'll see these repeated numbers. Abraxas being a, a, a common one, which is uh, 365 Santana. a year. <laughs> Santana. Well, Satan and, and um, Saturn, uh, a lot of the... I forgot who it is. It's one of the magical cults. They always say 93 to each other. I think it might be the Golden Dawn. Uh, they always say 93 to each other. And just the other day, I looked up the uh, the gematria, it's called, when you find out the numbers, of, of uh, Saturn, and it was 93. I'm like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Holy but, shit. Oh, everyone's a Saturn worshipper at the top. That's what it is. They believe Saturn lived at the pole star, because Saturn is a principle, really. It is the devil, but equally, it's your greatest teacher. So Saturn's... Uh, according to how far they could see into the solar system, Saturn was the last planet. So it's limitation, embodiment, you know, time, space. Uh, Saturn's always a black box, so you're in this black cube. And, you know, it's, it's, it's these appreciating these limiting factors of Saturn that can help you overcome things or put people in boxes. So it's particularly good for rulers, which is why, you know, all this magical stuff ends up at Saturn. And as do all the religions. Right. They pretend they're worshipping one deity and at the top of it all, they're worshipping Saturn. Look at the Vatican with it. You must have seen the Vatican and the snake and, you know, the, the actual St. Peter's Hall is a serpent's head with two big snake eyes and two fangs at the front. And then a statue of Jesus at the front that looks more like a serpent than it does like a man. Uh, it's funny. It's funny how, how open it is. Yeah. Because Jesus is, Jesus is the serpent. The serpent sloughs its skin. As the year sloughs its skin, as you slough your skin when you do the mushroom or whatever, you know, you, you go through this experience and come out fresh. As the year goes through this sloughing of the skin, just as Jesus dies and comes back, Osiris did it as well. They all do the same thing. It's a big, you know, it's a big repetition of the same ideas. Mm. All of it. Um, we should talk about the handbags. The man bags. The handbags. People love the handbags, don't they? What do you guys know about the handbags? I tried to read your article. Great, was it Graham Hancock's <laughs> website? I didn't really understand oh, yeah. it. <laughs> the man bag. So is... I tried... Oh, go on. I tried as well as I could to to write that article for people that uh, you have to have a little bit of knowledge before you can really digest a lot of that. Uh, yeah, it's I think quite complex. It was quite. I think it was all this sort of like the geometry and stuff around all the different yeah. kinds of shapes so and stuff you were drawing. You've got to understand the art I'm a part of. And hiding it a little bit is part of it. So okay. I didn't I didn't fully flesh it out on purpose because A, because I'm writing a book and I don't want to, you know, make it too easy for people. Whenever no spoilers. People, yeah, whenever people approach me and ask me if they can have a copy of the pattern that makes up that handbag, I'll give it to them. No problem. Anybody out there, if you want one, get in touch, I'll give it to you. But equally so, you know, that difficulty in finding that bit out makes you do it. And when you do it, it goes in more easily. So I'm not hiding it for selfish reasons particularly. I want you to have it. It's just 
you know, you got to work for it a little bit. It took me 10 years, this stuff, and a lot of head banging and a lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the man bag is one of these ancient symbols that seems to crop up everywhere. Yeah. They're at Quebec Le Tepe, Oannes has it, the Egyptians yeah. had it. Yeah. It seems mm-hmm. ubiquitous as far back as we can look. And yeah. it's been a puzzle for academics and scholars and archaeologists for, well, since they found, started finding them, I guess. Yeah. So what is this, sorry, the actual handbag thing, the it's shape? A, it's a, it's, it looks remember. like a handbag. It's like a rectangle and mm-hmm. uh, with a, like a half see. moon above it. But mm. this like is this is carved in different ancient sites. Everywhere, sides, yeah, Egypt, right, okay. South America, North America, everywhere, Australia. That, that shape. But with different kinds of symbols. No, no, just the shape, the handbag. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the handbag itself can appear with different things on it with the, in different characters' hands. But every time this character is bringing knowledge, that's what they're doing. They're always bringing knowledge. Right, So okay. it was it was interesting that you men- mentioned this character, Oannis. So let's run it right back to the beginning. In fact, let's run it back a little further. Before the beginning. Before the beginning. Before the beginning. So you're aware of Graham Hancock's um, was previously controversial theory that about 13,000 BC, there was a comet impact at a time called the Younger Dryas, and then that resulted in... Bill tells us all the time. Yeah. White, white, everything now, and everything started again. So this is one of the pieces of information that the Masons are still carrying. And you can find out. They give you, they're always cheeky and give you little hints. And you can find it <laughs> in their tracing boards. Um, so it's been recently discovered that it's true that there was a, an impact in the Younger Dryas. And if humans mm-hmm. were around, you bet your arse that would have reset everything. You know, ash in the sky, uh, so much ice melted you know the ice sheet was as far down as london so that's what i mean was that does that not coincide with an ice age then that so it was the ice age yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It was, it was the, the, ter- the termination the of the ice age yeah exactly so then the the first myths of these uh, uh, after that time the flood myths and the flood myths yeah the nowhere myths. thing yeah. yeah that's the most diffuse myth around the world they have it in south america they have it everywhere they have it absolutely everywhere epic of gilgamesh yeah exactly that's our earliest version i think um, so, in the in the same place as Gilgamesh in Sumeria in Babylon, they have this story of these guys coming from the foam of the sea. That's very important. The foam of the sea they come from the foam of the sea. They look like half fish people. You got a fish on the head. You got a fish down the back, and you got legs of a dude and a, and a beard and a white beard. And they carried this bag. Sometimes they carried a pine cone, but we're concentrating on the bag. And they come and they teach civilization. And they say, and then people would learn from them, and then they part to go to somewhere else. And they have this story everywhere as well. They were called the 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 Dagon, which Dag means fish. They were called the Dagon, and after that they were called Oannes, or the Apkalu were the name for the priests. They called Oannes. And we'll come back to this, but that word Oannis changes over time and it becomes Ioannis and then it becomes Johannes and then it becomes John 
and then it becomes Saint John. And that's the first time you really get in that name. And it's a line that character survives up to that time. And when you realize Saint John, just like it's Oanis and Dagon, you get Oanis or Ioannis, and then you get Dionysus. And after Dionysus is John. And so you got a trace of this character that's always sex, drugs, and rock and roll all the way through. So one of the things they're carrying in their bags and one of the reasons why they're wearing fish is because fish have gills and so do mushrooms. Mm. The word mushroom means mousseron, which is the foam of the sea. And you get so many of these characters, including the uh, you know Venus in the clamshell. You know, Venus coming out of the clamshell yeah. and the boobies there. She comes from the form of the sea. You grab that picture and turn it upside down and tell me it's not a goddamn mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this, and, and the same with, uh, we're talking about St. John. Well, he, he has his head cut off and many of these characters have their heads cut off because they're off the head. It's telling you how to get to these places. Yes. So this, there's this mysticism involved with all this stuff. And basically the, the base of the cult is, as I keep saying, sex, drugs, rock and roll. We take these drugs or they have the tantric sex to get you to these places. And either they're getting this information from there, a bit like I possibly did on my crazy drug trip, or they are in these ace states of mind that can work all these things out while they're in there and they bring it back with them, however it's working. But they are finding this cool mass up there. And this is the information in the bag. And this is what's so cool. So I talked about this pattern before. Now what they realize in these numbers is that all the numbers interrelate with each other apart from the number seven. Kind of the number five a little bit, but much less so than the number seven. And that number in geometry is called a heptagon. And the heptagon basically makes the basis of this pattern with which the pyramids were drawn, because the basis of it is these three, four, five Pythagorean triangles. You guys still there? Yeah. 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 Oh, so I just I saw black screen and then flashing. Oh, oh I think it's just Ben. Videos uh, playing up yeah, a bit. That's right. Changing batteries. Oh, <laughs> but mine does. It's oh. it's difficult to study this stuff without. I've been wrestling with this for a few months now. Yeah. Without um, coming to the conclusion that there is something beyond this universe that we can observe. As in, uh, like a metaphysic, you mean? Something that's beyond space and time. That is like so, a yeah. force that created everything. That binds the universe together. Is it in the rock? Whether in the it's, tree? it's in everything, <laughs> yeah. It binds us, it penetrates us. I don't know. Let's not talk re- about penetration in the lockdown. I think I might be a lapsed atheist. <laughs> a lapsed atheist. <laughs> wow. Uh, do you not draw the same conclusion? Um, I'm wrestling with it. Um, I don't like to make... A, it's, you know, without having cognitive dissonance, I can hold two contrary opinions in my head and be happy because at least I've got both sides of the story without having to land on one, especially with something that's not scientific and that I can't ultimately prove it. Can I? No. You know, we might see these fingerprints of the universe, but... Oh, that's God. Yeah, I don't know. It looks kind of that way. Um, but who the fuck knows? Who will ever know? Anyone that tells you otherwise is, is just lying, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. 
the whole idea of it, if, if it being beyond space and time is it's it's unmeasurable and we'll, and we'll yeah, never exactly. know. That's why scientists annoy me, the likes of Dawkins as well, that like, no, no, God doesn't exist. It's like, you don't know, mate. That's, <laughs> that's religious thinking, isn't it? Yes, that's no, dogmatic. Explain, exactly. You're trying to explain something that you can't test empirically. You're, you're religious, mate. Yeah. What's um? Are you going to do any more YouTube videos? I am. I'm trying to get this book done first because you know you you got to imagine that this stuff is you know really difficult to research because oh, you can't really research it. And the guys that it's coming from are bastard magicians from France in the 18th century that you know they're only half giving you half truths half of the time. So it's it's. A lot of it's been meditating and, you know, going for long walks and trying to decompress it all and opening your mouth, talking to your friends and hoping something sensible falls out. It makes sense, do you know what I mean? So is it is it about something specific within this kind of topic then that you're writing about? So you guys will find this really interesting, actually. Um, so I was researching the tarot and on some versions of the last card of the tarot, which encodes all this information I'm talking about, there's a famous, or relatively famous to history buffs, square. It's a five by five palindromic square, which means that you can read it in any direction. It says, Sator Aripo Tenet Opera Rotas. There's a new, um, what's the director called? Chap that directed the Batman films, the good ones. The Chris guy. Nolan. Uh, yeah. yeah, Chris Nolan's bringing out a film called Tenet that's about time and time reversal. Oh. Obviously, the subject of this is time. And he's got it from this Sator square cube. And that he knows it's about time is very telling because it's not, that's one of the secrets. And you don't, not many people know it. So he's in. Do you, have you emailed him yet? <laughs> no. Uh, interestingly, though, I got a message off a guy that has found this same stuff in Shakespeare. This uh, a man called Alan Green. I'd recommend anybody go and look at Alan Green's work. Yeah. And basically, he took the front piece of the. Uh, collected works of Shakespeare and just was like, oh, there's this and there, this and there, this is code in there. And it's there. You know, I was a code breaker myself. It's there. It's, it's repeatable. It's there. And it proves that it's Edward de Vere that wrote the Shakespeare books because it says his name three times in it. <laughs> and it's got all this mass that I'm talking about in it. Yeah. In fact, if you join up these dots on there, you get the pyramids, which is in, in the, the diagram that I've been harping on about for a while. Yeah, he's got some fantastic videos on YouTube where he breaks it all down. Yeah, yeah. It's well so, worth What's he called again? I can't remember his name. Alan Green. He's from Manchester, actually. Is he? Yeah. Which which brings me back to uh, the reason for this book, which is the Sator Square. Now, although it was on this tarot card and I found a particular image in uh, a French occultist's book, obviously that's actually occulted i can't read it i just got these symbols and so i looked to see if there are any examples in england so i can you know look at it in context see where it is what it's saying there was one in bath i think one in manchester that was pretty much destroyed and one at a church in rivington at the foot of the pennines not too far from where this podcast is going on and there are these three pillars of undeterminable age so far you see the 13 something or 16 something and on these pillars, there's a Sator square. And as I'm looking at these pillars, I'm realizing that everything I'm talking about today is on those pillars. 
and that all this art that I'd had as a jumble in my head was able to be condensed by these pillars because it's on there. And then I got this extra mystery that I needed to decode these pillars to see exactly what they said and what they were getting at. And it, on the, the veneer of it, they look Christian. They were in a Christian graveyard from an old chapel that was there. The chapel was built in 1309, I think. And then as it's you know, crumbled and the manor house that was there has, has, has disappeared, these stones were then put into that 16th century graveyard, actually. And uh, I turned up there at midnight <laughs> freezing my ass off and I was just so excited and recorded one of those secret science videos there. And as I'm there, literally within, it was strange. As I said, sometimes I can stop on my mouth and it, it, it comes out of me without really thinking about it. And you see the results on that video and that is this this ancient processional mass that is mind-blowing, to be honest, that the universe does happen that way. The music of the spheres, so Kepler called it. Yeah. Yeah. So these the the, the books about these three pillars that are vaguely Christian, but then are, are again covered in Saturn worship, and this knowledge about time and space and ultimately how to that's um, that sounds like a great way to build a book, or, uh, building it around those three pillars and and breaking exactly. it down. It, it was like a I, I hate to use the word, but it felt like a blessing kind of thing. It was like there you go, Ryan. Here's your focal points. Yeah. that's such messy yeah yeah because and they look really cool as well i um this morning just for fun i thought i'd make a list of like all the subjects that are encompassed in what you're talking about just off the top mm-hmm. of my head yeah i've got symbolism astronomy astrology gnosticism <coughs> mythology yeah. grail quests philology hermetica geometrica geometry pi fi <laughs> golden section Book of the Dead, Alchemy, Tarot, Fibonacci, Kabbalah, (laughs) Procession of the Equinoxes, the Trinity. I'm about a third of the way down the list. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah, a lot of, uh, well, you know, you could add to that list chemistry, biology, physics, history, you know, language. Uh, It just, it invites your etymology, you know, philology, Theology, all theologies, you know, the word, well, the word logi, logos, that's so interesting. Again, it's another one of these, you know, like the name of God, it, it actually means something. There's a whole philosophy behind it. That's why, you know, the, the God of, of alchemy, Mercury, Hermes, is, is Thoth in Egypt, the, the God of writing and, and words and, and speaking, because going back to the epic of Gilgamesh, this is a great story, actually. So we'll preface this by saying that in the ancient traditions the symbol of the sword is the symbol of the intellect and this is why this is why so gilgamesh had to fight tiamat the dragon of chaos do you remember dungeons and dragons the cartoon is the yeah. dungeons and dragons right tiamat was the one with loads of heads on there the evil female dragon of, of chaos and, and time it's a very saturnian figure again and it's chaos. That's the main thing you've got to think about it. So Gilgamesh goes to destroy this chaos dragon. And it attacks him and they fight for ages. And he takes out his magic sword. He holds it aloft and says, I have the power. And he <laughs> chops its head off and he cuts it up. And just with all dragons, they guard the gold. So he takes the parts of these dragons and he goes away and he makes cool things. He makes civilization from the parts of this dragon. So what, what Gilgamesh represents is order. 
is investigation into chaos, be it science, be it just walking around a corner you've never been around before, opening a new book. He goes there into that chaos, which is order, but not order that you understand. It's order that the universe has created outside of your comprehension. He cuts it up with his intellect into words, because words are swords, because they divide the universe up. So by cutting the universe into little pieces and giving it a label, I can make things from it because then I can manipulate and, and move it. And that's why magicians use symbols. Magicians use symbols because they are a map to the reality. And then you can take that through several dimensions until you get to things like propaganda and things like that. You're taking, you know, this is the, this is the yellow man and, you know, he was the bad guy. You're drawing like with devil horns and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, using these archetypes, these archetypal forms that you can manipulate. They're not real, they're like money. They're not real. They're not real. They're just, you know, you, do a, you, you put a signature on it, you do a little song and dance around it. Everyone believes it now. They all agree. You cast a spell on everybody. There you go. There's your money. That works, doesn't it? Mm. You know? People think money is a thing. It's really the labor you've done. You know, it's an agreement between people. How much your labor is worth, how much your time is worth. Another Saturnian concept. concept. Mm. Old Father Time, isn't it? Old Saturn. Father Time, yeah. Yeah, death, all these things, yeah. Well, but the funny thing is that, that this Saturn concept, you can see it as being a negative thing, but they don't. And you might say, oh, Saturn worshippers, Satan worshippers, and that would be fair to say. But Saturn and Satan are also Santa, Father Christmas. <laughs> he lives at the North Pole, just as, as Saturn said to at this, this still point that the heavens twirl around. You know, it's to do with the mushroom again, but Santa's definitely shamanic. You know, it, it's about, well, you know, the, what color is the traditional wrapping of Christmas presents at the bottom of a Christmas tree where the mushroom grows? It's the little red and white presents, you know what I mean? <laughs> the first decorations, if you go look up on the internet, the first Christmas tree, tree decorations were the fairy tale mushrooms. Your shaman would go around, you know, the, the pine forest with his reindeer. Reindeer effing love those mushrooms. They'll knock you over to eat them. They'll drink your tea. That's an important factor, actually. So, um, Shaman would go around with his bag, get up his sleigh, go and pick the mushrooms, put them on a central tree because they'll get all mushy in your bag. Put them on a central tree, come back, pick them all off, get his thing, feed a few to his reindeer because he'll love them. They fly home, <laughs> get back. It, it's snowy outside. You go in through the chimney because you can't get in through the door. You come down, you give everybody a gift. And you bet you ask that mushroom knows who's been naughty and who's been nice. Because you know damn well inside who's been naughty and who's been nice. If you've been naughty, that mushroom will kick your fucking ass. And then everyone gets the gifts. And then, you know, what the real celebration is, and the reason why it's so to do with this Saturn cult and these Dagon guys. We should get back to the handbag, by the way. Um, these Dagon guys is that you are making this journey. We call it macabre mysticism, which is this chariot. It's like the sleigh like um, Odin's chariot in the sky, Saturn's chariot, which is the Big Dipper, because the Big Dipper points you to the North Star. <laughs> and it's all mixed. And what colours the North Pole? It's red and white, <laughs> just like the mushroom. <laughs> and around the North Pole is Draco, the constellation Draco, which is the dragon, which is the symbol of that. That's why it twists up the North Pole. And, all, all, you know, you get the tinsel around the tree, which is twisting up there. And then the star on top of the tree is the North Pole star. 
Right. So it's this ancient religion, religion in inverted commas, which is really a practical science of orienting yourself. There's north, that's east, there's west, go. You don't have a clock or watches or anything like this. This is the knowledge of the priest class that lived in temples where the time is told, tempus, time. And it's all, it's a big mess, to be honest, <laughs> the whole thing. And you've got to go here, there and everywhere to get it all. Should we go back to those handbags? Yeah. Gucci, right. weren't so, they? <laughs> so we, we, said, we said that these uh, these Gucci bags, the Hermes, actually. <laughs> so these uh, so these Gucci bags that were brought by these fish guys, which actually, that fish costume can still be seen on Catholic priests in the mitre hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's an open so fish mouth. Exactly, exactly that, and we'll have to have the eyes on them too. Well, notice that Catholic priests also dress like mushrooms with red tops and white robes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, it's funny, but it's it's true. You know, this you see these things. What they got? You look at that chalice as well. Tell me that's not a mushroom. You know, sure of men and stuff. All that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's on those pillars as well. That that's very interesting. That stuff. I was just thinking that. Sorry <laughs> about you. Your trip. Did you say you're not? Mm-hmm. Did you see some purple tubes? Yeah, it was like a purple matrix in the room. Imagine like everything's made up of cubes. No, I was just wondering if the tubes were related to your, your pillars that you found. Uh, yeah, I don't, look, you know, I, I, I know a God told me, I know that God told me that, uh, you know, build Solomon's temple and then I found out it was a temple for Solomon's temple. I know down well, I can, you know, I'd like to think that God's thoughts me. That would make me special, but I don't <laughs> really believe in it in the first place. And I know I'd taken a load of mushrooms do you know what i mean <laughs> so i'll take it with a pinch of salt but um they were purple cubes basically so right. um i was just i just made that link in my mind that's all yeah yeah i don't know why it's, how i knew to look at the tarot that was that was the strangest thing really that you know that that it does encode everything i've looked for and the fact that i'd had that intuition in the first place that all this was sound and that's exactly the thing that i got in the end that it's this pythagorean harmonic scale the beautiful maths and i hate maths you know i got dragged here uh, you know it, it's it takes me five minutes to warm up to doing a calculation my brain just goes no i'm not doing it abandon ship <laughs> yeah so these bags these bags <laughs> gucci so so they, we'll get there um so these these priests that are of this cult that is first of all recognizing the fact that the deity lives at this still point that the heavens turn around that heavens gives time and space and on all these other things. And uh, they called that Saturn. They gave it many names, but that's that Saturnian principle. And that they noticed that all these numbers work harmonically, apart from the number seven. And that when they converted that into geometry, the geometry of that, we all know about the golden ratio. Well, the geometry of a, um, a pentagram, you know, like the devil worshiping sign kind of thing. Well, that is actually golden ratio. All the little measures in there, everything's golden ratio. In the heptagram, which is a seven-sided shape, everything is in golden trisection, which I didn't even know existed. It's the golden section. If it was two dimensions, it is over three parts instead of where the golden ratio is over two. Or it can go into three dimensions. So you literally will be golden trisection because we're three dimensional. You know, they'll often say golden ratio, it's your finger to that is equal to that is equal to that. 
And this gold trisection is the same, but it's just in thickness as well, in breadth and depth and all those depths. Right. So they made this pattern. And it was said for so many years that the ancients couldn't draw this shape because it's an irrational number. It's not a whole number for each degree of the angle. You, they couldn't make it. You know, how are you going to write 5.11223 however far it goes on for? They couldn't do it. They had to have whole numbers. So they came up with a trick to do it, and I found the trick to do it, and that's the thing I didn't divulge in the Graham Hancock uh, article because, you know, I don't, I'm not giving it all away straight away. And do, do some work yourself. Um, so what they did then was by the measures on this pattern, the, the basis of which is actually a three, four, five triangle, the one that the Masons love and the one that Pythagoras love, that this is kind of a pixel of the universe according to this geometry that we found at, at this Saturnian processional geometry. And so they made this, it squares the circle. You've heard of, have you heard of square in the circle? It's basically you get a, a, a square and a circle with exactly the same perimeter or uh, volume. It's, it's a famous square, geom, 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 geometrical problem, you call it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, riddle, yeah, that, that it's said to have not been solved. So you have to solve that to do this. So you solve that, and then you draw this hexagon, and then it's literally, honestly, <laughs> I mean, I'll, if, if you like, I can provide you with some uh, diagrams and things like that after the podcast is over. But it is literally the size and the uh, angles of the pyramids of things on Pegabeca Tepe. It's the Stonehenge. It's the in Da Vinci's work. It's anywhere where you'd expect to find occultism in the stars. It's there. It's in almost every alchemical drawing by any alchemical master. It's in every single decent tarot deck. It's, it's mind-blowing, to be honest. And the crazy, this is the craziest thing. So I, I thought it had come along with these Dagon priests. By the way, that bag that they carry is drawn to this geometrical pattern. And at every measure, on there's often scribing on those bags, uh, you know, little patterns or little dudes or whatever. And they are always done to the measures on this pattern that's made by a seven-sided star. So they always model it as the goddess. There's a, in medieval churches in Britain, there's this goddess figure where she's got her legs open and she's, she's pulling her parts open so you can see inside. And that's where I found it. I, I was just putting things together. and was like, oh my God, it's here. And then I, I found it everywhere else. And according to the way they put it and what the symbols are saying is literally the inside of the goddess. What's the on the inside of the goddess's vagina? Well, it's her reproductive system. So I think it's saying that this is the the matrix itself. That there's like a masculine god energy, a male god that supplies the energy, and then it falls into this matrix, and everything's embodied from there. Your body certainly is embodied from there. So this is where you might get made in his image from as well, and other such things. If this is that information, which it is, you know. This is the root of the religions, as far as I can see. Um, and the crazy thing about it is, Gebekli Tepe is what ten thousand BC, something like that. So it's that. That's when that's it was buried. Nice. Is that right? That's when so, it was yeah. buried. Yeah. So it could, we don't know how yeah. old it is. Yeah, they reckon there's been quite a bit of movement there as well. You know, picking up the stones and realigning them and stuff like that. So, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. oh yeah. As far as I can see, 
the, the, the pillars themselves are certainly made to this pattern. So they knew this, these numbers even back then. But the mad thing, and this was the thing that made me, it, was, it felt like the night I found it out, I felt like I stood on the edge of a cliff and I was just looking over this cliff like it was too scary a thought. I found it at Altamira Caves in Spain 35,000 years oh ago. Oh, God. That's bonkers. I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, what? How have you, what? Who? How? What? And it wasn't just on one, it was on most of them. And you know, when you, you see in um, the Americas, like around the Grand Canyon and places like that, you get these weird alien looking things. You'll see it on silly ancient aliens and stuff like that in the depths of the Utah Canyon and all that they say. Do you know what I mean? These alien looking figures came down and spoke to the locals. <laughs> And then, so I popped the pattern over these these geometric figures, and it just did totally draw to it. I mean, it's obvious. It's like the the amateurs, they're learning it. Do you know what I mean? And they're just having a go at drawing a guy. And I think he's got something to do with sunrise and sunset and other things that are happening. You know, I've, I've still got work to do on this. There's a lot of pieces to put together. I only just figured out the fact that that pattern that I found is totally related to this processional mathematics. Right. And just put together last week, so that, that's fresh news. I read a book last year called Prehistory Decoded by Martin Sweatman. Okay, and uh, it's he's a he's, name, isn't it? Yes, yeah, a shit name. <laughs> but he's, he's got a good theory on the handbags, an interesting theory. Okay, well, looking worth looking into. Did, did you recall what it was? It was something to do with, like you said, about sunrises and equinoxes. It was something to do with the symbology behind that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the back, the the, the re-civilizing society after the fall with this philosophy system that's based on these numbers and the four elements. But the four, the four elements are the platonic solids, and the platonic solids are literally made from those numbers. For example, we said 216 before. Yeah. But 2160 is the internal angles of a cube. <laughs> a cube a cube is the, the symbol for Saturn. Yeah. You know, the Kaaba in Mecca? Yeah. Uh, Mecca, where they all go around it? In an anticlockwise direction, just like going around the pole star, around the back. It's all, everyone's, they don't realize it, but at the top of all the religions, the guys that know what the fuck's going on, they're all worshipping Saturn. Not necessarily Saturn in the bad form. Saturn is equally this Matrix mother figure. You yeah. get me? That's so, interesting, you know, the um, the internal yeah. angles in the cube. Isn't it, yeah. Adding up well, to 216. Yeah, it's every one of the platonic solids is related to the processional cycle. So 2160 being the amount of years in a processional month is related to the geometry of a Mm -hmm. cube. I mean, it just, it's mind-blowing. Well, nautical miles around the Earth is 216,000 as well. 216, something like that, yeah. It's all, it's, the foot is related. You know, they keep saying the foot's some old king that they've forgotten who he was. (laughs) Well, it's not, it's, it's related to the perimeter of the earth which is it for isn't it four three two thousand miles I mean, like, it's another one of those numbers i can't remember yeah they're all they're all those numbers the the distance to the earth uh, the distance from the moon to the sun and all that is just ridiculous i was just reading the the, fact that you, sorry go, yeah go for it so just to go back to the um the, the funny the measurements and manage the measure of all things and all that i was reading the book yeah. recently and um oh it's manly p hall it's Manly P. Hall. It was. Uh, Every some... time I say that name, my friend just bursts out laughing. He loves it. <laughs> Manly P. Hall's like a famous author of esoteric stuff. 
And yeah. he was going through the different measures, uh, like Egyptian cubits and inch and feet and all this sort of thing. And given the um, the what the what they were, what the different measurements were, and I was looking at these numbers, and they were usually to maybe three decimal places or two decimal places. And if you added up each digit of this like seven digit number, it would always add up to a multiple of nine. nine. <laughs> and nine, yeah. and every nine. multiple of nine, so like what's two times nine is 18. One plus, One plus eight nine, equals yeah. nine. Three four, times four, three, nine, two. four, three, two. Four plus three plus two, two plus one plus six. They're all nine yeah. times table, all of them. And it's like nine is this null number. It's because of base 10 is what it is. When you do base seven, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then seven becomes 10. It's mind boggling. But so if it's base seven, six does the same job as nine does in base 10. Oh. However, I know it's weird, but however, there's something special about base 10 that makes all those harmonic numbers happen. It doesn't happen the same. No. As, it doesn't happen as fruitfully in the other base systems. So there is something about base 10. And that's why the Sumerians used, they used, they counted in 12s, but they were using base 10. Do you get me? Yeah. They were counted to 10 and then it was 10 and 2. And, you know, do you get me? If you see what I'm saying? Yeah. 10 was the sacred number in the Pythagorean schools. It was, yeah. And that Pythagorean tetractus is on those pillars. Right. <laughs> you know. Oh, God. That's the thing. It gets, it gets, because you've got no one to say, Oh, by the way, Ryan, congratulations. You've passed your initiation for this grade. Well done. You understand it. Do you know what I mean? Have a sword on your breast and roll your pants leg up and have a secret handshake. You know, I don't want that. But my my whole point is to not have that. It's to get it out because as soon as I started studying it and I realized it was a lot of it was psychology and that it was used by the ruling elites, the shepherd kings, the fisher kings, and this whole analogy for a flock and a, and a shepherd. And so, for example, Hermes Mercury, he, he was a shepherd. And he makes a lyre of seven strings, and he ends up swapping that with his brother, Apollo, for the caduceus. You know the caduceus with the two serpents, the goat with the wings at the top? Have you seen that? So the fact that these two things could be changed and this caduceus was for herding the flock. <clears throat> so what they're saying is these seven strings, the, the Indians would call them the seven chakras. Scientists would call them the seven nerve endings that end in the endocrine system that pump out your hormones, that are you, if you think about it. You know, if I scare you, you get adrenaline. You bet your ass I can control you. Do you know what I mean? If I get you scared cortisone and other things, do you know what I mean? Um, I can affect you through different things. And that's why the seven chakra are the seven planets, are these seven notes, because they fall in these places on this hectogram, septogram shape thing, you know, like the Vitruvian man, that's drawn with this. So they get control of you because Hermes' wand, his magic wand, is just <laughs> like a liar. And they can play that liar. You know, the pen pipes, the Pied Piper, it's the same concept. Yeah. And they play you, they play us all. You know, we're all very suspicious about what's going on now, for example. But I don't want to go down that because it's too close to home right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't want to get de 
the platform, do we? No. But also, I'm just sick of talking about it. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been a welcome relief for us having you tonight, Ryan, because mm-hmm. we That's feel true. like we have to talk about coronavirus because it's the only, th- you know, it's what's happening, isn't it? We talk about it every week and we get sick of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it's 10 bells. I think we should. Mm-hmm. I think we should. That was a solid hour and a half, wasn't it? Yeah. I've really oh, enjoyed it, Ryan. Yeah, it was oh, good. Yeah, mate, Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll come and have another chat to you when this book is done, if you like. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that'd be great. Hopefully that. in the studio. Yeah, yeah. in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, when, we'll the, yeah. when there's an episode yeah. number coming up with a sacred number, I think we should do that. 216. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. Thirty <laughs> 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 years. <laughs> Couple of years, isn't it? <laughs> how, how many are you on now? Uh, one, two, eight. Eight. Two, eight. One two eight two one six. Oh, I know you nearly had uh, one two six there. Yeah. We could have uh, this loads. Uh, I tell you what, let's just do it when the book's finished. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was funny when uh, when Graham Hancock got hold of me to do all the stuff for his thing? It was eleven eleven mm-hmm. every time he got hold of me, or I sent something to him. It was eleven eleven. Oh my god! And I'm talking like probably about eleven times actually. <laughs> I'd love to count them up. I bet it was eleven <laughs> times. Yeah. Well. Bizarre. Thanks again for coming. Um, yeah, all the oh, links nice. to your stuff. We'll put all your links to your YouTube and whatnot in the episode notes. So check yeah, that out, eavesdroppers. Say hello to me on Facebook. You can find me uh, the Secret Science on YouTube. My name is Ryan Seven, and just type those things in and you'll find me. Brilliant. After oh. a little boy called Ryan, and it was his seventh birthday, <laughs> and apparently he gets a lot more hits than me. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the toy. Yeah. <laughs> The unboxer. <laughs> the unboxer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, thanks, eavesdroppers. Um, All right, guys. Yeah, Just cheers, Ryan. Me. I hope I'll uh, see you in real life at some point. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Yeah, see you soon, Ryan. Thanks right. very much. <laughs> Wakanda right. forever. Bye. Take it easy. Praise Jablon. Praise Jablon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.